Hi, this is Marta from Bloomington, Indiana. Dusted is a StoryWonk podcast. To show your support and for exclusive content, visit patreon.com slash storywonk. Thanks! everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Alistair Stevens. And I'm Lonnie Diane Rich, and this is Dusted, your pleasantly surprised season four, end of season Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. As is your way, you have cut right to the heart of the matter. <laughs> Today on the show, we're looking back at season four and looking at the results of our season four fan poll. Is pleasantly surprised your response to leaving season four? I think I was I was pleasantly surprised by season four. My expectations were low. The first time I watched season four, I was unpleasantly disappointed. And my memory of season four has always like underserved, I think, the really, really good work that is in season four. Because once again, you associate with the big story, the big bad, and that wasn't the strength of season four. But season four did have a lot of strengths. It really did. Coming in, I was watching my reaction to two different things, the initiative on the one hand and Riley on the other. Mm-hmm. I was really pleasantly surprised by Riley. Up to a point. I was not pleasantly surprised <laughs> by the initiative. Yeah. Riley mm-hmm. begins to fall apart at the end of the season. Yeah. He has a wobble, which mm-hmm. was not what I expected. I expected yeah. to loathe him from the minute he showed up on screen. I did too. That was that absolutely was a, pleasant a pleasant surprise. surprise. There's just so much more happening there than I remembered. That story is so much more dynamic, and he is so much more an interesting fulcrum around which stories can turn within yeah. the span, at least of... Let's call it the middle third of the mm-hmm. season, I suppose. And I was more impressed with Mark Lucas's performance than I expected to be. Ultimately, though, the initiative stuff held together mm-hmm. about as well as I remembered. It's I think it's the thing that you associate with season four. But we had we had hush. You know, we had mm. some amazing stuff going on here. We had this wonderful theme of identity and watching Giles struggle yes. with that all season was really, really fun. And there was some great work done. A new man. While Giles being in, you know, a demon costume is something that I've always felt was, you know, moderately ridiculous, uh, was a lot better than I had thought it was. Than uh, Most of these episodes, when it came down to it, were better than I remember them being. And there were some really, I mean, there, there were there were low points. I'm not going to argue mm-hmm. that there weren't some real low points and that the overall big bad story wasn't something of a disappointment. But I really, as I've said numerous times, I really appreciate that they tried something weird and interesting in mashing these sci-fi and fantasy worlds together. It didn't succeed, but it was interesting that they tried. I respect that. And I liked a lot of the momentary stuff. We can award a participation ribbon for effort, I think, in that (laughs) regard, but that's about as far as I can go. Is that being too generous and too kind? Is that Really? (laughs) Is that everyone goes home with a ribbon kind of thing? No, I think that you take a look at that idea. And it seems immediately to be a bad fit for Buffy. It yeah, seems no, immediately it to be. But it was so neat that they tried it. I guess I guess I like that they tried something bold like that. Sure, but we get seven season long stories in Buffy. Yes, we do. And I think that one of the reasons season four is so unpopular, certainly so divisive, mm-hmm. is that the initiative weighs it down. Yeah, this does. is far and away the least successful, on its own terms, mm-hmm. far and away the least successful season long arc that we get in Buffy. Yes. It's also, though, to balance that, the least significant plot Mm -hmm. arc that we get in Buffy. All of the other season-long arcs 
are just much more present in the season. There are maybe, what, five episodes, six episodes dedicated to the actual initiative arc mm-hmm. through the span of season four. That's nothing. If you go back and look at, you know, how much time we spent with Angelus Spike and Drusilla and then Angelus two. in yes, season two. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, yes, it's not great. On the other there's not that much of it. And I could never have anticipated when we sat down to talk about season four that we would end up with five season four episodes in our personal top ten. Which is kind of impressive. Including, but there is a lot of really good work being of done. Of course. Yeah. Hush. Oh, Hush. Hush took it. I had always enjoyed This Year's Girl and Who Are You? As yeah. regular listeners will know, I'm a sucker for a body swap story. <laughs> so I had always enjoyed that. I didn't really expect it to come in at number two yeah. on our list. Mm-hmm. We have Pangs at number five on our list, The Harsh Light of Day at eight, and A New Man at nine. Mm-hmm. That is pretty impressive. That's a good showing. It's interesting, though, that a lot of the initiative-related episodes kind of cluster together around, you know, the mid-30s. Yeah. Uh, 30, 32, 33, 34, 35, and 36 <laughs> are all season four episodes. Just a run. Which is still respectable. Are they initiative-centric episodes? Is that Yes, uh-huh. pretty much. Something Blue comes in at 30 because, mm-hmm. you know, there were some problems attached with that sure. episode. Then mm-hmm. we get The Yoko Factor and Primeval at 32 on our personal list. New Moon Rising at 33. Mm-hmm. Goodbye Iowa at 34. The Freshman at 35. Doomed at 36. Mm-hmm. So really the core of yeah. the initiative story plus some of the less popular mm-hmm. episodes. Nothing as, you know, cataclysmically bad <laughs> as Beer Bad. We didn't even manage to set a new low on our list. Beer Bad coming in in the second place position. Second to worst. In that contest. Mm -hmm. But overall, I think it's an episode, it's a season of highs and mostly mess. (laughs) Mostly. Mostly, yeah. It's Uh, fine. Right. There's nothing that's that offensive about a lot of it, with with a couple of exceptions, certainly. Let's get into our polls. Mm -hmm. We recently ran the Buffy Season 4 fan poll over on StoryWonk.com, and this is kind of a lot of races for second place here. Sure. Mm -hmm. A lot of the winners in these polls, kind of what you would expect. Kind of walk away with it, yeah. Yeah, but there's some interesting movement lower down the field. Well, I noticed there were some people on the forum who were saying that they're not even voting for their favorite one, because obviously it's Hush. And I appreciate that (laughs) gesture, unfortunately, by the time... By the, the time they got in there, yeah. Had, yeah, had exactly. gained some support. By the time that flag had, had presented itself, we'd kind of already... Sometimes you got to let an episode walk away with it. Yeah, yeah and mm-hmm. the episode that walks away with the best episode title is, of course, Hush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We did receive some very interesting emails about Hush, about complicated responses to Hush, about whether or not Hush is a great example of a Buffy episode, mm-hmm. or whether it is just a great example of a TV episode. Yeah. Does mm-hmm. Hush play to the strengths of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? It's a contained episode. We get mm-hmm. very few established relationships. We get almost no arc movement whatsoever, and we get, of course, very little of that trademark Weedonian dialogue. Yes, exactly. Which was the intent of the episode itself. Mm-hmm. With the understanding that Hush is a standout episode of television. For you, how representative is it of the strengths of Buffy specifically? Oh, goodness. That is really an interesting question because I think it has a lot of strengths that are specific to Buffy because even though we didn't have that dialogue, we do have that character interaction, uh, which was really, really great. We saw a lot of really nice character moments for all of our, our main cast um, and and had some some really sharp visual jokes. Not to mention that, honestly, as far as Buffy goes, the 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 monsters are usually not 
that genuinely creepy. Yeah. Um, here they are so genuinely creepy. I'm not – I know Buffy is technically a horror show. Um, I don't find myself scared by oh, Buffy very Yeah, often. and the urban fantasy show at <laughs> yeah, least. <laughs> yeah, it kind of slides into that, that realm. Um, but I don't get scared by it very often, and mm. it did scare me. So I think, like, yes, is it more a great episode of television rather than necessarily the epitome of great Buffy? Yeah, you know, I mean, perhaps I think there might be an argument there. But I also think that it's, it's really – Really terrific Buffy as well. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. It's perhaps not the Buffiest episode of Buffy mm-hmm. that we've had so far or that we will get in, in the rest of the show's run. But in terms of being a perfectly crafted 44-minute episode, you've got to give it a great deal of respect. The other topic of conversation that we received uh, with regard to Hush is its final placing on our list when all is said and done. And the response seems to indicate that Hush will probably be closing out our top five. Mm-hmm. That's the the consensus that we've received from our listeners, at least. It may well be. One of the nice things that I'm seeing happening over on the forums is that people are sort of starting to kind of like make their own lists yes which i heartily recommend these are our lists you know obviously according to our very specific primary values and some of you are still complaining to me about reptile boy please continue to do so (laughs) i love that um but really make your own lists decide based on the things that you go to buffy for what are what are your lists and share them with us because i think that that's really interesting and I'm, i'm interested to see you know, how many of those lists, lists right now have Hush right at the top? And how many, like, how far is Hush going to get pushed down? Yeah. Because it is a spectacular episode of television. But there is, I think, some of the best Buffy to come, you know, in the next few seasons. I think it's going to be really interesting to see where that ends up. And I think we recognize how special it is, even when we talk about the season as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, There's season four of Buffy, but there's Hush also. Yeah. And we haven't had a genuine outlier like that before on Buffy, we will pretty much have at least one a season for the rest of the show's run. I think so, yeah. A single standout episode that's kind of going to break free of its Mm -hmm. season-long format. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting when we get to the climax of season five to look at how that plays. Oh, certainly, yeah. When we look past Hush, though, we look down the card a little more to the very (laughs) well-deserving second, third, fourth place (laughs) episodes here on our list. This year's Girl and Who Are You comes in second on the list. Restless comes in third on the list and only one point behind Restless, Something Blue. Clearly, we had our problems with Something Blue. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is... Although I still love Something Blue. And I think that loving (laughs) Something Blue, loving it while acknowledging that it is problematic is absolutely the place to be. And Mm -hmm. that, I think, is where I end up with that one, too. (laughs) The big controversial episode, though, I think, in terms of our response was restless. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad to say that I feel that we we, we put some worries to rest last well, week with our discussion of I restless. I think it's really good that we both kind of came down on either side of restless because we had so many emails from people who were very worried about our response to restless from both ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. because they hated it and they got a sense <laughs> that Alistair didn't hate it enough or they loved it and they got the sense that I hated it too much. And uh, so, I mean, I'm really glad that we kind of found a place where restless definitely has a value for Obviously, a fair number of people. Um, but uh, but I think that overall, I feel good with where Restless 
ended up. I yeah. think that it's, you know, it is an episode that does not delight me, like, in pretty much almost any way. But I think that there is a lot of value to Restless. And I'm, I'm glad that we, you know, we have it at number 15 on our overall list, which I think is an extremely respectable showing for, yeah. especially for such a controversial episode. For an episode which, like Hush, you kind of have to talk about it. You have yeah. to talk about it in terms of its, I don't know, semi-objective quality, but also in mm-hmm. terms of it being a Buffy episode. And right. a lot of people, when they were praising Restless, praised it for what it heralds, yeah. for what it foreshadows, mm-hmm. for, for the template that it establishes for what's coming all the way through to the end of season seven. I feel good about where Restless is on the list. I also feel like we'll maybe reference Restless yeah. more than we will reference any other episode of Buffy by the time we hit season six and season seven. Oh, that's going to be really, really interesting to see how that that shakes out. Because Restless, I have to say, no matter how you feel about Restless, I think you can't deny that it's kind of an important episode. You absolutely you know? can. The episode that we responded most positively too that doesn't really place on the the popular Mm -hmm. vote was pangs oh yeah are you taking responsibility for the success of pangs on our personal list uh, well, I think Pangs is a great, I will defend Pangs. I think Pangs is a great episode. I think it belongs where it is. But I also, we asked people what their favorite episode of Buffy was, not what their second favorite episode of Buffy was. That's true. And we so, have to beware the tyranny of the math in that regard. Yeah, it's, it's not a direct correlation. Yeah, because Pangs know. could be everyone's second favorite episode. It but may the well poll be. gives us no way of, yes. of knowing that. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's fair to say that we personally, for our personal tastes, are maybe a little warmer on Jane Espenson's writing style? I don't think so. We've been accused of that a couple of times, but I think that we've come down actually pretty hard on Jane a couple of times. If what she's written, you know, is is a failure with, yeah. you know, like Gingerbread was not yeah. that great, you know? <laughs> I mean, we had some problems with that. We had some earshot did not, you know, shoot right to the top of the list. I um, do you think yeah. it's fair, though, to talk about Jane Espenson as something of a writer's writer? Yeah, I think that's right. I think that Jane Espenson is one of those writers that if you are a writer and you know how difficult it is to do what she does, especially because she makes that look so easy, then I think that we are more inclined, writers are more inclined to be delighted by some of the things that she does, maybe more than the general population. Mm. Let's move on to worst episode. Again, a poll with a runaway winner. (laughs) It's Beer Bad, you guys. Beer Bad, I mean, just resoundingly. Beer Bad was more resoundingly the worst episode of the season than Hush was resoundingly the best episode of the season. Yes. Mm -hmm. Beer Bad is about as bad as it gets. Do we still feel good with Beer Bad going on our list above Go Fish? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, I'd Go rather Fish watch Beer was Bad. even worse. I would watch <laughs> yeah. Beer Bad like 10 times over before I would watch Go Fish again. Competing passionately for that worst episode award, though, Where the Wild Things Are comes in in second, Living Conditions comes in in third, and Wild at Heart comes in at fourth. Probably the ones that I would expect. Yeah, I think so. In all honesty. I can see why people would, would very specifically hate those episodes. Yeah, I think Living Conditions is perhaps higher on the list than I would expect it to be. I would mm-hmm. have expected a bigger showing there for Fear Itself, say, yeah. or, or any one of, of a half dozen other episodes. But again, honestly, but it's that second place thing. Absolutely. Nobody hates Fear Itself the most. Apparently. Yes, our yeah. bottom three, Beer Bad, Fear Itself, then Living Conditions. Yeah. So I think we're kind of all on it's the same page. fairly aligned, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting that even the worst episodes of the season, while Beer Bad is competitive for the worst episode of Buffy Thus far, Mm -hmm. Fear Itself, the second worst episode of season four, according to our list, went in at 53 on a list of 72 
mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. It's not quite 72 episodes because we've sure, doubled sure. up some two-parters. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 53 on a list of 72 isn't that bad. Isn't as bad as you would think it would get. But again, it's one of the it's it's a season of meh. You know, I mean, there's some of them that just you don't feel passionately enough to hate that much, but are still not great. You know, let's move on to happier things. Let's move on to our discussion of favorite characters. This vote was a little more split, but I think it's probably fair to say that there was a runaway winner. Yeah. Spike. Oh, yeah. Spike took about a third of the popular vote. One of those votes was mine. I have to say. All of my votes so far have been in line with the biggest vote getter. Of course, it oh, hasn't been. I haven't. It hasn't been terribly challenging. Yeah, I haven't expressly <laughs> <laughs> thought that out, but you're right. Who did you vote for in this? Oh, Spike. Oh, Spike. Oh, good. Yeah, Spike's oh, great. The, yeah. the way that he shows up, the way that he is integrated with the series. Mm-hmm. Because so often you find that when a guest star, particularly a very popular guest star, joins the main cast, mm-hmm. the show loses balance. Yes. It, it loses its sense of that character in the pursuit of that character's mm-hmm. popularity. I think Spike is reintroduced in a very organic way, and a, a way that absolutely speaks to the core themes of the season and speaks to the core plot of the season. And James Masters is fantastic. Yeah, and if anybody has an identity struggle, I mean, we talk a lot about all the people who've had identity struggles, mostly focusing on Giles and Willow. Spike also had one, and I thought for a character who is sort of a villain still, you know, even though, like, he can't do any damage, but he would if he could, and will in, in, you know, situations where he can, like in the Yoko factor. Um, He'll do as much damage as he possibly can without getting a headache. Um, But I think it's interesting that we took the time to really, um, to not forget that he's a monster, to not forget who Spike is, but still find a way to sort of bring him into the fold, uh, give him that sort of Cordelia role, although Anya shares that a little bit, too. I think it's kind of interesting. I, I, think, I like what they did with it. I think there is an argument that Anya actually suffers most from the inclusion of Spike. Because yeah. if you're going to create that internal conflict, that internal tension, yeah. if you're going to be the grit around which the pearl accumulates, the writers seem to have leaned towards Spike for that. Yeah. Rather than going to Anya, which has relegated Anya to pretty much comic relief. Yeah, which is season. a shame because it's not the best use. Emma Caulfield has incredible skills. And I think that when we see her given stuff to do, she does it fantastically well. In second place after Spike, who else could it be? If we're talking about arcs through the yeah. season, if we're talking about identity, if we're talking about revelation, it has to be Willow. Mm-hmm. Which I would completely agree with. Willow is a very close second. Oh, yeah. On my list. Mm -hmm. When I think of this season, it's Willow's arc that I think of. Mm -hmm. It's that core transformation. Now, we've loved Willow since the beginning. Yes. Would we agree that she has never been better than she is in season four? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I love about Willow is that with every season, she gets more and more complex and interesting, you know? Um, And she was fun and complex and interesting from the beginning. So, I mean, they really did a lot with her. And I like the fact that we don't... None of our characters are in stasis throughout the whole run of this series. We're constantly moving them. We're constantly pushing them. We're constantly adding pressure, adding complexity. And with Willow, I think she is one of the best examples of that. And she gets the whole arc. Mm -hmm. She gets the inciting incident. She gets the first trial. She gets the point of inflection. And she gets a satisfying conclusion, which, say, Xander doesn't get. Xander gets to wrestle with some similar issues, but Mm -hmm. he doesn't get the story 
the way that Willow gets it. Xander's run is a little flatter, although I will say that that is in keeping with who Xander is. He's the mm. heart. He's the guy who gets to stand by well, and support everybody else. And I think that that makes his role sometimes in these stories a little more supportive. Though this is the season where that role, I think, is is codified. This yeah. is the season where we consciously where we get there. Mm-hmm. begin to use that as a part of the storytelling, yeah. which, of course, is great because I'm a huge fan of Xander in that role. Yeah. Xander consciously understanding mm-hmm. and inhabiting that role is one of my favorite things about the latter seasons of Buffy. And yeah. that's a story that we're just beginning. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I guess we'll say in joint third place, separated by only two votes... Miss Buffy Summers. There you go. And Tara. Tara. Oh, you pronounced it right. Well, Look at you she's, go. she's on the best character list, and I consciously <laughs> thought about it for no kidding 30 seconds you did. before no, I, I said it. I saw you go through that. Listeners can rewind to that little gap before I said her name. If you hate that little gap, then be grateful that I mispronounced her name the whole time, because that gap isn't going anywhere, let me tell you. Buffy, of course, yes. mm-hmm. really leading the season. We get to see the most of her arc. Tara doesn't really get the same kind of growth and evolution because it's yeah. more a process of discovery mm-hmm. than it is transformation for her. Absolutely, I think for her. And she we have hints of very interesting things to come with Tara that weren't really explored this season. Um and uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing her evolve from there, but I think that part of the reason why we all love Tara so much is because that character is while everybody else you know, is struggling so much. Tara seems to be like this emotional anchor that when you go to her, mm-hmm. you know, you know that there's going to be kindness. There's going to be insight. Who was the person who could tell that, you know, Faith was Buffy? It was Tara, yeah. you know? Um, and there's something, especially in a season where so much stuff went so horribly awry, <laughs> um, we could count on Tara to keep us kind of emotionally anchored in that moment where, you know, she she keeps Willow anchored while Willow goes off and does her, you know, her magical thing, um, which of course, is is somewhat sexual in nature. We'll just let that go. But I mean, there's that nice thing about I'll be your anchor. I'll hold you here. You yeah. Know? I no, like I think that. you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. We love Willow. So we love what Willow's relationship does for her. Mm-hmm. I think that we're always going to be, we're going to look favorably upon positive relationships. Yeah. It's not something we get to look on very often in the Buffyverse. Right. But a happy relationship is not a common thing in, yeah. uh, in Buffy. But yeah. I think the key to understanding Tara's popularity, understanding why she is such a strong character is that she works completely absent of Willow. Yeah. She works on her own terms and is a vital addition to the, the, and the main And her camp. relationship with everyone yeah. is sweet and respectful and kind and always somewhat better. She, when she kind she of, says, I think, Mr. speaks Giles, to the better angels of our nature. I know. She's just wonderful. It's yeah. worth noting on this list of favorite characters that pretty much only one other character received any votes at yes. all, and that is Giles. <laughs> we really did split. You know, there's, there's a five-way victory mm-hmm, here. Sure. Everyone else a long, long way down mm-hmm. the pack. So that pretty much matches your experience of the season two. I think so, yeah. All right, then let's move on to our favorite romance, favorite mm-hmm. relationship. And again, when we say that there's an obvious winner, uh-huh. and maybe what we're doing is competing for second place. Yes. I think that applies to this, too. I think so, too. <laughs> because, so. of course, Willow and Tara take it. Take it overwhelmingly. They are our favorite romance. Yeah. Well, by far the most romantic story of the season. I mean, Buffy and Riley, especially towards the end. 
the way that they just make each other worse <laughs> and it's it's painful almost to watch let me, them. Let yeah. me run down the list here in sure. order of <laughs> so understanding that Willow and Tara are basically right. The runaway. They're, they're competing in beyond, a different race exactly, at yes. this point. Everyone else kind of hovers around the same level. We get Xander and Anya. We get Spike and Harmony coming yes. in in third place. Willow and Oz coming Willow in in fourth. And Oz. Buffy and Angel coming in in fifth. <laughs> And Buffy and Riley coming in in sixth. <laughs> Willow Buffy, and Oz, who break up in the first ten episodes. <laughs> yes, Buffy and Angel, yeah. who have three interactions in the course of the season. Oh, sure. And if you include over on Angel the series, how much time they've actually spent together throughout the entire season, you got maybe 20 minutes. Where do we draw on this result? The line between relationships that work mm-hmm. and relationships that don't for us personally. We got a lot of love for Xander and Anya, sure. a relationship that I think it's fair to say you're more positive on than I am. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of love for Spike and Harmony. Which is my one of my favorite things about the season. We don't get a whole lot of it. I think that's good. I think a little Spike and Harmony goes a real long way. But man, I love them together. I love what that does for Mercedes McNabb. Yeah. I, I love what she brings to that. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that I like its impact on Spike is a character. Oh, I it's, love it's it, yeah. It's fun, but it does kind of feel almost counterproductive with what we're trying to do with Spike. I don't know. I think because it brings us back to what a jerk he is. I mean, he really is terrible to her. Um, and I yeah, don't think we want to forget. We, we don't, don't want him to be a fluffy bunny. No, we you know? want him to be a badass and a legitimate threat and not a jerk. That's no, the problem, true, is that we, we declaw him, we, we, we devamp him. I guess, make him a little more mundane in his evil. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Particularly but, when oh you, God, I love them together. But when you contrast the the mundane domesticity of that relationship mm-hmm. against the like gothic grandeur of Spike and Drusilla, oh, which yeah. of course Spike is doing within the text well, itself she's anyway. she's a rebound though. I mean, obviously sure. she's going to be, you know, his Riley. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Somewhat, but we still like them better than Buffy by the comparison. And but yeah, let's face it it's 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 the Willow and Tara show. Yeah, it is the Willow and Tara show. That's it for the whole season, and very very well deserved. Let's move on to writing once mm-hmm. more. Yes, a competition that has a clear winner. Mm-hmm. Really, this is just a top three, though. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Douglas Petrie, David Fury, and Tracy Forbes didn't really receive any significant voting at yeah. all. This is a top three: Whedon in first place, Espenson in second, and Marty Noxon in third. I have no problem with that list Fair at all. enough. Absolutely. Marty Noxon was, for me, as she has been since she showed up to work for Buffy. Yes. She has been such a constant and pleasant surprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She has constantly exceeded my expectation. I think every time she's she's written a script. I'm a little disappointed in myself for how low my expectations were of Marty Noxon. Mm. Um, because I feel like maybe, you know, I fell into some of the Noxon slamming that happens in, in the Buffyverse. Or that you know? from our perspective will happen when we very, reach season six. Yeah, yes. Very lazily sort of fell into that narrative without really being fair and taking a look at the quality of her work. And I think that she is phenomenal. And I'm actually following her through to her current projects and finding mm. them just as interesting. Unreal, which is this little uh, reality show um, kind of thing that she did last summer. This which parody I'm of The Bachelor. Parody of The yeah. Bachelor, which is really, I mean, edgy and, and rough and gritty. Um, I enjoyed a great deal. And I'm going to pretty <laughs> much follow Marty Noxon wherever she goes forever. No, she's definitely one of those mm-hmm. writers. Jane, of course, we've talked at length oh, yeah. of, of our love for Jane and her, her real strength. I do think that she has 
an authorial air mm-hmm. to her work. I think that she is playful mm-hmm. in a way that writers will identify and respond to intuitively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that you have to have a deep in the bone love of not just stories, but storytelling mm-hmm. to to respond to Jane as fully as we do. So I, I do understand so. that her, particularly her sense of humor, could leave some people cold. I absolutely understand that. But they're kind of both in the shadow of Whedon, who yeah. is just doing terrific work. Yeah, well, his work has always been exemplary. Um, I have found myself charmed by the stuff that Joss Whedon does. And he is very much both a writer's writer, I think, and a television viewer's writer, you know? Yeah. Um, not, you know, in the same way. He doesn't have that same kind of split that some writers will have where they will delight other writers and less so the regular population. Um, Though only yeah. four episodes mm-hmm. this season. He wrote and directed The Freshman, wrote and directed Hush, wrote and directed Who Are you and wrote and directed restless Mm -hmm. i would perhaps like to have seen a little more of whedon writing for another director yeah maybe a a little more of that because it it turns out that whedon scripts feel very similar when they're in Mm-hmm. his hands as a director too yeah. and obviously he's a great director i mean it would be a foolish thing a to say that i don't want him to director. direct as yeah. much mm-hmm. he's he's clearly inordinately talented and that's really seems to be the the arc of where his career is going mm-hmm. but i would maybe have liked to see a couple more lower key scripts yeah that aren't quite so substantial well, unfortunately, because of this incredible talent and launching a second series and Firefly was in its <laughs> nascent stages during this time, um, Joss Whedon, I think, is a little too busy um, no, to just write it. an episode to write it. So, yeah, I mean, it would be I nice to see, uh, you know, compare and contrast. But I think that Hush got a long way. Uh, Hush is such a fantastic episode, oh, yeah. a beautifully executed episode. No, it doesn't really matter what Whedon does for the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. For me, that's going to be the first line of his resume. Yeah. Yeah, he has yet to do anything that competes with that. And obviously, I love pretty much everything that Whedon's done, Yeah, both before and after Buffy. That is still, for me, from a technical perspective, mm-hmm. that is the most impressive thing that he's produced. I think it was absolutely like a, an incredible thing at the moment for yeah. Joss Whedon. I think if you had underestimated Joss Whedon, Hush would certainly turn you around on that at that point. I don't know if I'd say it's the strongest thing career wide. Uh, he's got he's got a lot of high points for me. Yeah, I think just as as a a purity of technical expertise, mm-hmm. I think Hush does things that it's, is just uh, just ambitious and compelling and confrontational yeah you know really really complex and challenging work uh, it, it stands apart yeah. for me he's real good again there's that division with hush mm-hmm. about it being a great episode or about it being great buffy yeah mm-hmm. and i think that's an interesting and ongoing conversation to which we will return yes we in will. the months and years ahead let's move on to the last poll that we put up for our wonderful listeners which was your favorite performance in buffy season four and i'm very very glad to say that Sarah Michelle Gellar took it. Uh, yeah, took absolutely. Took it handily. <laughs> absolutely. And well-deserved. She is one of these people, again, I think, who gets routinely underestimated. Yeah. I see actually that happening a lot. The more critically we look at a lot of these television shows and movies, the more I see some actors, some writers, who kind of get underestimated but are really doing amazing work. And Sarah Michelle Gellar, I cannot even imagine what would have happened to Buffy if she hadn't been in that role. I couldn't agree more. It's been a real pleasure over the course of this season to talk about Sarah Michelle Gellar as an actress, because I think this is the season in which she really came into her own. Yeah. She's been capable of great work. 
Mm-hmm. But I feel it's almost as though in this season, the scripts rose to meet her. Yeah. You know, and, they really and gave did. her just more to do. Well, and also, I know it can't count, but God, the work that she did and I Will Remember You on Angel. <laughs> we will talk about we'll season talk one of about Angel. about that too, but I mean, she's amazing. Yeah, we'll talk about that yeah. on Thursday, though mm-hmm. arguably her work in I Will Remember You is somewhat undercut by her work in Sanctuary. Uh, though not her fault. Not her fault, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. So... Sarah Michelle Gellar takes it for, mm-hmm. of course, playing Buffy Summers. Under her in second position, James Masters playing Spike. And then a joint third position, we'll say, for both Alison Hannigan and Anthony Stewart Head. Yeah. Yeah. Fair that's enough. it. Those are your heavy hitters. In terms of the performances, mm-hmm. yeah. those are your heavy hitters mm-hmm. for, for season four. I feel really good about this poll. I feel pretty good about that poll, too. I feel both vindicated in my opinion and very grateful that we have such smart and informed exactly. listeners. <laughs> So that's it for the poll, but we have a couple of matters remaining, perhaps the most important of which is to compile a list of the necessary Buffy. Yeah, the essentials. Yeah, if you were sitting down and and showing season four to a new viewer, a viewer who had perhaps come up through our essential lists for season one, Mm -hmm. two, and three. Yes. Which episodes would you include in that list? See, this is the difficult thing about the essentials, because the essentials really need to get across the major story, right? And that, I think, is the biggest weakness to season four, is the big story. Well, it depends on what you count as being the big story, because yes, when I'm putting together my essentials list, I am downplaying the initiative. (laughs) Because I don't think right. it's important. I don't think it's. I don't think it's essential. I think yeah. it kind of goes against the spirit of the idea. So this is more about the the episodes that speak to the great theme of season four, as opposed to the actual plot story movements. Yeah, and yeah, I would they kind of work against each other. I would yeah. track that by skipping out on the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. I'd skip both the freshman and living conditions, and take the the harsh light of day. Oh, well, I'm all with you on that. As our yeah. first essential episode, because I think it picks up so beautifully. If all you are watching is Graduation Day 1 and 2 and mm-hmm. then moving straight into the harsh light of day, yeah, that feels appropriate. It feels, yeah, thematically consistent, absolutely. Yeah, so I would take the harsh light of day. And then the next possibly, arguably essential episode is going to be Wild at Heart, episode 6, with Oz leaving. Mm-hmm. Do you think that we need to track Oz as a presence? I kind of do. I feel like he's significant enough that we want to see that transition for him. Well, we can do that. We could, we could include Wild at Heart on that list. Not a great episode in and of itself. Yeah, I don't know. But I do think we need it for Willow. And if we're tracking the essential storylines, Willow's arc through the season is about as essential as it is. We're going to end up having to include New Moon Rising. I think we might. No, I don't think we need him to come back. I'll, I'll no. say right now, I don't think we need him to come back. I think that... If you're tracking Willow and Tara, though. I don't think... You don't think that's a big moment at the end? You have to be with the one you love? I don't think it's a moment that they wouldn't have arrived at without the inclusion of that episode. I think that when you're watching the essential episodes, you mm-hmm. know that you're not seeing the whole story. I guess. And I don't yeah. think anyone is surprised by the end of New Moon All right, Rising, well, I'm going right? to put an asterisk next to Wild at Heart, and we can come back and decide that at the end. <laughs> okay, so from there the we move list. through the initiative. Arguably... We could have the initiative. We could introduce them at mm-hmm. this point. I could see an argument that you only really need the initiative and the Yoko Factor and Primeval. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think that you have to have Restless, which means that you have to have Primeval, which means that you have to have the Yoko Factor. So backfilling from there, yeah. we have to introduce Spike and the chip well, and the initiative. Well, this is where we find out about Spike's yeah. chip. I mean, this is kind of a big moment. And it's there's good stuff in the initiative. I would absolutely So let's include that. the initiative. Mm-hmm. 
we're going to exclude both Pangs and Something Blue, right? Oh. I know that they are very dear to your heart, but they don't do anything important. Do they not do anything important aside from delight me? Maybe not. Maybe <laughs> I, not. I'm the last person to say that delighting you isn't important. <laughs> I just think those would be on my personal essentials list. Sure. But I think that I think that okay, I will admit, probably not for the big big overall story. We have to include Hush on the essentials list just because you can't have the Buffy experience without it. Right? Yeah, I don't think that you can. Absolutely, it it's is part technically. Of- yeah. Inessential. Although I suppose the one loophole that we have is that that's the moment where Buffy and Riley find out about each other. Right. I think that's significant. It's our first kiss. I think that's all significant. Okay. Yeah. So let's pull in Hush. I don't think we need Doomed. In fact, I think the less said about Doomed, the better. <laughs> better right. I don't think a new man. You don't think so? In, a, in an entire season that is all about identity and especially... Because we have another body swap, we have another situation later in the season that really speaks to that as well. No, I kind of like a new man, but I don't think it's the most interesting exploration of Giles's identity. It, it's the question. And we do get of, a lot of Giles' identity throughout the entire yeah. season. And so what we get in a new man is kind of peripheral, kind okay. of necessarily peripheral. Okay. So I would argue against it. Do you have a strong argument for it? I don't <laughs> except that Giles is delightful and I love him. <laughs> well, okay, if delightful counts. Well, if delightful counts, then obviously we'd have to do pangs in something blue too, and then this whole thing would just be an exercise in futility. So yes, let's, it would just let's be a list of going. our favorite episodes. No, it would just be a list of the whole season. Right? I think yeah. a new man is is inessential. Mm-hmm. Um, the one argument I think you could make in favor of a new man is the relationship between Giles and Spike. Yeah. But which we're is going to nice. miss, but we're going to deliberately skip a lot of episodes where that's relevant mm-hmm. later in the season. So I don't think that we need to establish and that. I think we get enough of that as we go through the season. Enough of the reason why Spike is helping them is because it is in his interest. He either needs money or they're going to help him with something that he needs. So, yeah. yeah. From there, the IN team and Goodbye Iowa kind of form a two parter. Mm-hmm. But I think. I don't think you need Goodbye Iowa at all. I think you can argue for the IN team because it introduces Adam and kills Professor Walsh. I think maybe, and also because there's that fantastic moment where she tries to kill Buffy. That and I think that that is kind of a heart. pivotal thing yes. in this season. So. Okay, so, so the IN team, but not Goodbye Iowa, are we... Agreed on that? Yeah, I think okay. Goodbye Iowa is a, a disturbing follow-up or a disappointing follow-up to the Iron Team. Oh, so, I think so, yeah. too. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot of Riley just, you know, mm-hmm. shaking and drug withdrawal. Yeah. <laughs> From there, this year's girl, and who are you? And this is going to be heartbreaking because I think you have to cut it. <gasps> I think that this year's girl and who are you are inessential for season four. I don't think so. I think I'm going to argue for them. This is an entire season. If we're talking about how the big bad is disappointing and the main theme is about identity mm-hmm. and we have faith coming back, which is huge. Faith is, is this incredibly pivotal part of Buffy's world. So pivotal that we haven't mentioned her in season four up until now. I don't care. We mention her now and it's good. <laughs> oh, look, you don't have to tell me that it's good. This is not the discussion of is it good. I know. It but is I'm our not- second place episode for a reason. I'm not defending this because it delights me. I'm defending it because I do think that it is essential to Buffy to see this episode, to understand her struggles, to understand her sense of identity, especially as that conflicts with a doppelganger antagonist like Faith. See, I think that Faith is a really interesting part of the Buffyverse, but this is a story about Faith. Buffy isn't fundamentally changed or transformed by this experience, I think. 
I, I think it's a Even big hit. The only to, lasting yeah. impact of this story is a, a, a brief diversion in her romance with Riley about whom we do not care in this essentials list. No, I don't know. I think that if you're gonna if you're gonna drop the big bad as being like the structural, I think then you have to go to theme as well, the part. And this we're is... not really gonna drop Adam as being, you know, he's still present. Yeah, I think you have to cut a lot of the cruft. I, I don't get me wrong. I think that these episodes are a great. A great beat in the ongoing saga of faith. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that they're there. I think they're thoroughly enjoyable. I also think they're very well told. Faith is of peripheral importance to season four of Buffy. And if you cut these episodes, they wouldn't change the arc of season four at all. I think faith is significantly important to the whole run of Buffy when you consider both things past and things to come that this is part of the essential. So if we're seeing this as being the continuation of our essential series from season three, mm -hmm. well, okay. In that case, I could see the argument. I think that there's enough enough weight to faith. If you were just sitting down to watch season four, I think you should skip them because without the frame of season three you wouldn't get as much out of these episodes anyway. Right. But if you're watching season four of Buffy, and that is the only season of Buffy that you're watching, something has gone horribly, horribly Look, wrong. you find yourself shipwrecked on an island. <laughs> and the only thing you have is season the DVD four of, of season four. You do what you can you with what you got. You think you're probably going to be rescued soon. <laughs> so you want to only get the essential episodes <laughs> under those very specific circumstances. You should probably skip those episodes. But I argue for this. I think you're right. Seeing, seeing you? Buffy mm -hmm. in, in its context, seeing season four in its context, I think you may well mm -hmm. be right there. So I'm pretty comfortable saying that we cut Superstar, we cut Where the Wild Things Are. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we should cut New Moon Rising because if you're aware that you're not getting the whole story, I think the arc of Willow and Tara's relationship works without it. And mm -hmm. we certainly don't need Oz coming back. I don't think it's that disastrous an episode but it's it's pretty much the working definition of inessential for me it's at this point in the season it's not important enough yeah. i think to justify its place on a list of essentials and then i mm -hmm. think you have to have the yoko factor because mm -hmm. you have to have primeval because you have to have restless that's pretty much the three of them the are inextricable yes i think so i think you're right well, I don't know. Do you think you could lose the Yoko factor and just pick up Primeval? Not really, right? No, because the Yoko factor is actually better. I think you could lose Restless, but that's just because I hate it. But I think that... No, I see. I think, I that, think people, that... No, Restless speaks to essential themes of the whole yes. season. Particularly and if, yes. if we're looking ahead to season mm -hmm. five and six, if you want like the definitive Buffy experience in as few episodes right. as possible. So what list does that give us? Okay, so it gives us the harsh light of day. Wild at heart, I have an asterisk next to i'm not sure we absolutely need wild at heart i don't think we absolutely need it mm, that's tricky but no I maybe guess, not maybe uh, not yeah. okay maybe so not. i would take out wild at heart uh the initiative hush the ion team this year's girl who are you the yoko factor primeval and restless that sounds pretty good. I think that's a pretty fair essentials. It's always difficult to to pick out which make the cut and which don't. Though, but. weirdly, we are now a little light on Willow and Tara. Yeah, but you know what? Willow and Tara are going to be... And we get a lot know, of really good stuff in we get, the back We get a lot of really good of stuff. There. Yeah, we yeah. do. That sounds pretty good to And me. a little less Tara being dangled as vulnerability baits. Yeah, so, we do have two yeah. or three episodes where that's uh, yeah. a recurring beat mm -hmm. yeah no i'm pretty satisfied with i that. feel pretty good I and i think that good. when you distill the episode i think that there's a lot of good there i mm -hmm. think that 
of course, we're sensitive to to the notion that season four is less consistent yeah. than mm-hmm. the earlier seasons, particularly season three. I would actually put season four pretty close to season two in level of of consistency. Yeah. The first half of season two. I prefer se- I think season two has much more focus and ends on a much stronger note. Oh, it certainly ends yeah. on a much stronger mm-hmm. note. I, I definitely wouldn't argue but that. Season but season two has some, has some low points. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think if you take average episode quality for yeah. me, season four and season two, probably average out. Though I think maybe... The mean average in season two is a little higher. <laughs> oh, I, I think, yeah. Season two for me is is much, much higher. The the overall effect of season two is so high as so, to, to eke it out way above season four. To order the seasons in terms of your personal mm-hmm. preference right now, you'd be looking at season three, season two, season four, season one? Mm, three, two, one, four. <laughs> wow, four is your least favorite season oh, so far. Oh, God, no, that's it so hard. Can't be. That's, that's crazy so talk. hard. No, because, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, yeah, Willow and Tara alone starts it. Yeah, Willow and Tara alone. No, you're right. It would be it would be three, two, four, one. But I I see four and one as being much closer than four and two for me. Yeah, I think for me it might be it might be three, four, two. Oh, one. right, that's I good. Think it might be while recognizing again that that four and sure. two for me are not that far apart. Yeah, and depending on the day, could be interchangeable. Wow. Okay. But I can see. I can see that there are things in season four that are very specific appeals for me. Oh, well, there are things in season four that that really appeal to me, too. I mean, obviously, uh, not on our essentials list. A lot of the stuff (laughs) was still just specifically to delight me. And there is a lot of stuff I found in season four to be incredibly delightful. Has to count for a lot. I think that does it. I think that is our look back. At season four of Mm -hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we will return on Thursday to look back at season one of Angel, which is going to be a really fun discussion because, good God, if season four of Buffy is divisive, (laughs) season one of Angel will lead to wars in the streets. I know, but I have to say, a lot of people were like, I can't, I can't even with this, this is terrible, but y'all hung in there, and I'm really, really proud of you for hanging with us, because I think that Angel is about, (laughs) is about to get you know, much, much yeah. more interesting. Not to anticipate our conversation, but the number of people who emailed us when we got to Warzone, <laughs> when we'd introduced <laughs> Gun. Oh, yeah. The kind of the Warzone blind date to Shanshu and massive LA sigh of relief there, that came in yeah. at about that time. Yeah, no, we felt it. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, the number of people who fell off around she yeah honestly you know if it wasn't my job i might have fallen off at at she too but uh, but i hang in there because i know what's coming so that's it from us we'll be back on thursday with our thoughts on the first season of angel but that's not it for today's episode of dusted oh dear me no because we have a handful of smart and insightful voicemails that i will add on to the end of the show here we'll be back on thursday with angel until then i'm alistair stevens and i'm lonnie diane rich and this is dusted Hi, my name is Steve. I'm from Spokane, Washington. I wanted to comment on season four of Buffy. Um, I, it wasn't one of my favorite seasons, but I really enjoyed what you guys did with Dustin. Uh, as far as the season finale, uh, I was never really a fan of the fact that it was a coda rather than a traditional season finale. I will say, though, that Joss Whedon is brilliant in the fact that the way he killed each of the main characters in the dream sequences directly related back to uh, Primeval when they were representative of the, I guess, tarot cards when they did the melding uh, spell 
where Willow was the spirit, and in her dream, she had her spirit sucked out of her, and Xander was the heart of the group, and of course he had his heart taken out, and Giles was the mind, and he had his head cut into. So I thought that was pretty brilliant how Joss related those two things. As uh, one, one other thing I'd like to mention in uh, transitioning to season five, and I won't give away any spoilers, but it was interesting. Uh, I, I think it would have been a lot more interesting had Primeval been the season finale of season four. They could have, uh, if they wanted to keep it at 22 episodes, they could have added another episode earlier on in the season to flesh out the Maggie Walsh storyline and make it more relevant, to make her death more relevant. Um, it wouldn't have solved all the problems, of course, but I think it would have helped a little bit more and then made Restless the season opener for season five. And I'm sure there would have been, uh, and again, not doing any spoilers here, but I'm sure there would have been one episode throughout, or at least one storyline throughout season five that they could have axed in uh, keeping it at 22 episodes. So anyway, that was my thoughts. Really great job with Dusted. I enjoyed this season, and I'm looking forward to season five. Thank you. Bye. Hi, my name is Karen, and I just finished listening to The Final Angel I love uh, podcast. I love that you translated the poem on Tara's back. Oh my God, I had no idea that that was really a poem by Sappho. I think that season four of Buffy can be boiled down to that one thing that you've said in several podcasts, which is that it's a science fiction story, the Frankenstein story kind of set in a fantasy realm of Buffy, and it doesn't translate. I love that Restless gets us back kind of into that more of a fantasy realm, and I I love that it finishes the season that way, and I feel like I'm back more in Buffy. Um, And Angel, I never watched, I never could get into it, and your podcast has made me watch it, and I'm liking it. I never really got that it was supposed to be a different show, don't know why. But thank you for both the podcasts. They're fantastic. Um, I live in Oakland, and I've watched Buffy from the beginning, like way back, Oakland, California, way back when. Thank you for both of them. I love them. Thanks. Bye. Hi, this is Jeremy. I'm 15, and I love listening to the podcast. It's a good outlet for me to to get engaged with the show that nobody talks about because it ended over 10 years ago. I just want to make one quick point about Tara's demon spell thing. I feel that it's not focused upon enough because in this season, the show is trying to make me invested in Tara and Willow's relationship and I can't fully get behind it when I think Willow is dating a demon. When I think she's putting herself in danger by having this relationship. So I feel that the storytelling isn't that strong there. That's it. Thanks. Hi, Lonnie and Alistair. This is Caleb from Northern Ohio. In the past, I've been pretty intense with my friends about making them watch Buffy, and season four tends to be the snafu because it's so infamous for being not very good. And I'm never really sure how to address that with them, because I usually just say that only two good things came out of it, which are Tara and Hush. 
So should I tell them to skip it? Should I force them to power through, pick episodes that are good and tell them to skip the episodes that are bad? I never really know what to do because they usually get pretty annoyed with it. So thank you guys so much. Bye. Grr, arg.